Football Friday right here on the Team 980. We're driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience, power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. You hear eye on the enemy? It's time to go behind enemy lines and find out more about the Dolphins. One of my dear friends who I got to work with at SI.com for a couple of years and I was just on his podcast, which is the All Dolphins podcast with Omar Kelly. So you should go check it out. Tweeted it a couple of times. uh, And you should follow him for timely Dolphins information and read him on uh, the SI Fan Nation Network at All Dolphins is my guy, Alan Poupart. And you can follow him on Twitter slash X at P-O-U-P-A-R-T-N-F-L. And he's all over it. And he's got an awesome Montreal Expos hat right on his Twitter image, which he was wearing the other day. What's up, man? How are you? How are you, Mr. Russell? And I'm wearing the said Expos hat right now. Wait, wait. Say say again. You were a little bit uh, distant there from the phone. I said... Hello, Mr. Russell, and I am wearing said Expo oh, hat. Oh, said Expo hat. <laughs> there we go. I, I, all right. Okay. I wasn't sure what you said the last part of it. I heard the first part, uh, but I like it. I like it. And around here, of course, that has special connection because the Montreal Expos oh. turned into the Washington Nationals. Oh. <laughs> well, that's not the that, that's not Washington DC's fault. I mean, what, what do you, what do you want from us? Jeffrey Loria, Major League Baseball. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt about it. Well, good to have you. Uh, Appreciate you coming aboard. Uh, You know, there's so many questions I I, I have to ask, but I I guess since you and I last talked, uh, we got a little more clarification. It looks like Devon Achain is going to play in this game. Do we know if he's close to 100%? Do we know if he's limited uh, in terms of what his snap count will be? Do you think they will only play him in if they need him kind of thing? What What is your best guess? Because he's so explosive when right. Yeah, uh, they wouldn't play him if they didn't feel comfortable that he's fine. Of course, they thought that too uh, against the Raiders and basically on his fourth or fifth snap, he got tackled the wrong way. Somebody uh, fell on his injured leg the wrong way and kind of there he goes lifting off the field and he was done for the day. I don't think they're going to go in with the idea that they're limiting his stop count. He's going to be part of a rotation because that's what the Dolphins do with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. Right. And let's say, barring a setback, he gets 10 to 15 touches. And, and and here's the thing. He doesn't need a lot of touches, right, Alan? I, I mean, he, he you know, he can turn, you know, what seemingly is an innocuous three or four or five-yard gain into a 75-yard banger in a, in a flash because he's got such electric top-end speed. Yeah, in fact, he doesn't, he doesn't need that many carries to reach 120 yards. That right. is for sure. Right. Uh, when, you, when you're talking about a guy where there's a debate whether it's, he, it's him or – Tyreek Hill, who's faster in a straight line, you know you're talking big-time speed over right. here. So. And Mostert's, um, got, Mostert's got really good speed, too, correct? Yeah, but compared to those guys, he's like a slowpoke. Right, I mean, right. It's, but it's I'm absurd. saying he's I mean, not hes not just a thumping back or, or anything like that. He can turn on the Jets if, you, if he gets a little bit of space, too. No, no, he, yes, he, he, absolutely. I was being a Weisenheimer here. No, no, they, it's, and it's like comparing Waddle to Hill, yes. Maybe right. Waddle's a hair slower than Hill, but he still you put him on any other team and he's probably the fastest guy. 
So, yeah, it's speed on top of speed with this team. Uh, check out All Dolphins as part of the SI.com and Foundation uh, Network, uh, SI.com slash NFL slash Dolphins. Check out the All Dolphins podcast uh, with Omar Kelly and my guest, Alan Poupart, uh, and follow him on Twitter uh, slash X at Poupart NFL right here on the BetQL guest hotline. All right, so uh, let's start at the top. Mike McDaniel, you've had a chance to cover him now for a couple of years. You know that I think extremely fondly of him. Uh, got to work with him for a couple of years up here. I always thought he would be good. Did not know he would be this cool, this quirky, this awesome, this everything. What is he like you know, on a fairly day-to-day basis as a head coach, is he as cool as he comes across still with all that extra stress and now pressure of, again, being a head coach of a championship contender? No, there are two words that come to mind when you describe Mike McDaniel to somebody who might not be familiar with him, is very per- is personable and verbose. The two words I would use. Mm-hmm. Uh Quirky, yeah, he's quirky. Um, and but the bottom line is, yeah, no, he's he's very verbose. He's like a very intelligent guy who likes to make sure his point gets across without any uh, any. That's what I'm looking for here. Without any lack of clarity, and obviously, I'm I'm having trouble. I didn't go to the US. I'm having trouble finding the right words. Um, but he, like, yeah, he speaks. His answers are very very elaborate mm-hmm. but the bottom line is beyond all of that the guys in coach and he schemed up an absolutely brilliant scheme that takes full advantage of what i would probably argue is the fastest set of skill position players maybe in the history of the nfl yeah because you have that blazing speed which we talked about with uh well we haven't really gotten a tyree kill but everybody knows jalen waddle again devin a chain as we just mentioned but you have the scheme and the skill set of an offense that can, am I wrong, do pretty much anything. I mean, like, they can hurt you as much on a shallow cross where they run right across the line of scrimmage on, again, a shallow cross and turn it into a 50-60 yard game because they just simply run away from you and they get the ball into window and separation, but then they can also pound you and then they can also break off the big long run off the, you know, off the edge. So they can do, it's not like they're a one-trick pony, I guess is what I'm, I'm trying to get at yeah I, I might take exception to one thing you said this is not a we're going to take the ball and we're going to pound it up the middle type of offense right and uh, and I, I have gotten into little tips with omar because he's objected to my use of the term it's a finesse offense. it's an offense that's built on speed now having said that they've managed a couple of times to kill the clock in four minute situations with the running game but it's not like Baltimore, for example, or Philly or San Francisco, where they're going to just pound everything up the middle. And we're running the ball. You know we're running the ball. But our offensive line is better than your defensive line, so that's not – that's not – because even their running game is based on deception because a lot of their damage has been done with motion and wide runs where they create space horizontally as well as vertically and then they make use of that speed that they have. So that's the only thing where they're limited. And, there's, and as a consequence of that, or as an offshoot of that, their short yardage offense has not been very good. In fact, it's among the worst in the NFL. Right. Uh, and, and, and that is an interesting component. Um, uh, before you came on, 
I was talking about, hey, you know, like how does Ron Rivera who's taken over the play calling and fire Jack Del Rio? The defense has been awful there without, you know, one of their top young corners, so on and so forth, and nothing has worked. How do you attack the Dolphins to try and keep them within shouting distance? And 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 it it sounds crazy, Alan, but to me, I think the commanders, who have nothing to lose at this point, they're not eliminated, but they're virtually eliminated. Their defense sucks whether they play zone, man, cover, match, zone, blitz, don't blitz, get pressure, don't get – they stink. Why not blitz more and try and at least create some havoc and see if you can get to Tua and rattle him a little bit? See if you can get him into some longer third-down situations. Is that – is that the way you would advise attacking if you have nothing to lose, or is there a different sort of mentality that you would take? No, I completely I am with you on that. Except it's going to come with a part B. The part the part one is go all out after Tua, make sure you get there fast, and the part B is you better jam Terry Hill and Jalen Waddle at the line of scrimmage and make sure they don't get by you mm-hmm. because if they do, you're done. Right. Um, and the teams that have had more success than others have been very physical with those two guys at the line of scrimmage, and they've managed to get some pressure as well. And I'm talking about Buffalo, Philadelphia, and in Kansas City, too, maybe to a lesser degree, because the game, the Dolphins actually should have won in the second half. But that's basically the way you stop it. If you stay back in the zone, you'll get carved up. If you want to see the handsome devil that he is uh, with the Montreal Expos hat, uh, you can check out the Twitter image uh, of him and all of his fine work at Poupart NFL. That's P-O-U-P-A-R-T NFL. Of course, check him out on All Dolphins, part of the SI Fan Nation Network, and as well the All Dolphins podcast. Alan Poupart is our guest right here on the Team 980 on this Football Friday. Um, Tua himself I mean, we know that he performed and he produced yesterday, uh, last year. There was no questions about that. Uh, seemingly after a rough rookie year and everybody was expecting something and a bad situation, then he gets with Mike McDaniel and it's like all of a sudden a different quarterback. And, oh, by the way, it helps to have Tyreek Hill. But the question for him was, can he stay healthy? Can he avoid those ragdoll shots? From afar, I know they're not getting sacked a lot. Doesn't seem like he's getting hit all that much, too. What has... What has changed for him? Is it just his ability to get rid of the football quicker and process things? Because if you look at the next-gen stats, it always seems like he's amongst the best in terms of getting rid of the football quicker than most. Okay. There is an awful lot to unpack here, and I will start unpacking. And if, if my unpacking takes too long, you stop me. Okay. I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to start with the quickness of the delivery. Mm. Un- let's understand that that includes every throw, and the Dolphins do an awful lot of wide receiver screens, shovel passes, mm-hmm. and those plays you're talking less than half a second that gets tacked onto the average. So I-, I-, I think maybe the perception is, well, look at his average, and every single time it's, you know, take the snap, drop back, drop back, throw. It's not quite that simple. There are plays where they're longer developing, and the and tour has, prote- has good protection. Number two, where Tua got himself in trouble last year was in trying to extend plays where he should have just given up. Right. And the most glaring example was the Thursday night game against Cincinnati where he got an offer. It may have been like five seconds in the pocket. And he hangs on to the ball, hangs on to the ball, eventually comes face-to-face with a defensive tackle. And instead of, like, trying to avoid him, he tried to juke him with a one quick, you know, inside-out move. 
and the dude wasn't fooled, got a hold of Tua and sling him around like a rag ball, and boom, the head hits the turf. Tua has done a very, very good job this year of avoiding those types of plays. If it's not there, you've seen Tua, which is something he didn't do last year. He literally just slides in front of a defender. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to be a hero every single play and you got to make something happen, can't give up on a play. So that, he's also done that very well. And then there was, and then the third part of which the with the durability question, there was a there was a flukiness, a concussion. The the durability question came because he's always been hurt. This goes by every year. This goes back to his days at Alabama. But last year again, I'm going to say the concussions. There was a there was a flukiness element to him, and that's not happened this year. But I predicted before the season started. Honestly, how how I knew that I don't. There's no reason for me to know. And I was like, this is the year he's actually not going to be. Hmm. Not going to get injured. And last point I want to make, however, it's not the only thing that's a question mark with Tua. In fact, I just wrote about this on alldolphins.com that the truth is, if you look at Tua's resume and the stats yes. are absolutely glaring, the numbers, if you from September through November, his career passer rating is 104 or 105, I can't remember off the top of my head, and his, and his passer rating in December-January games is 81. Um, and that's before the Dolphins throw huge money at him for an extension from where I sit, he needs to deliver at that time of year. I was just tweeting about and and copying from your story on SI.com and Fan Nation about that breakdown. Um, is that, do you think like weather related or, you know, no. because, or, or do you think that's, that, that's just, he, he, uh, wears down over the course of a long season, and again, last year had several concussions, like we said, and several. And, and I know the offense, uh, like they, like they made an offensive line uh, coaching switch at the uh, after last year. It just didn't work with Matt Applebaum. Um, like, what do you attribute some of that to? Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, the the weather element part of it is just too easy. There was only one game where I can tell you. Yeah, he looked like he was he was absolutely affected by the weather conditions, and that was at Tennessee. At the end of the 2021 season, they lost 34 to three. He had a brutal time throwing in the rain and the wind. Outside of that, there hasn't been a game. Now, what happens? It's not. I don't think it's not an issue of wearing down either. It's an issue of part of it is, and I think what happened last year is opponents got hip to the scheme the Dolphins were running, and then and then they got to face San Francisco and the Chargers in back-to-back weeks where they had a great design. They were, got very physical with the two wide receivers outside. They dropped their linebackers to work because the Dolphins make, make a killing with 20-yard passes you know, deep over the middle. And it's insane how wide open Hill and Waddle are on those plays. Well, the, the 49ers and the Chargers basically said last year, you're not getting those. And once they took those away, it was like, oh well, now it got a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, so I, it's that's part of it. And then the the other part of it is the, the game is different. Um, it gets tighter. It gets more physical. Uh, and I, I don't know, but all I know is the numbers are there, and they don't right. Lie. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, numbers tell you a lot of things. They don't tell you everything, but they tell you a lot of things. How good is Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator, and do you think he could be in line to potentially get a head coaching job this offseason? Well, if you based on everything you read and then a lot of the NFL insiders, whether it be on the Athletic or NFL.com or those sites, 
always throwing his name when they're talking about future head coaches and guys who've never been head coaches. The one thing with Frank Smith is uh, Mike McDaniel is a play caller. Uh, and while McDaniel at every press conference, when he's asked, is going to say it's a collaborative effort, everybody's got input and all that. I think the impression is it's still Mike McDaniel's baby. Right, right. So are we running into a situation why, like your new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, yep. was like, yeah, he's a great coach, but it was kind of like that in Kansas City, yeah, with Andy Reid, and, and so right, exactly. Correct. So by all accounts, he's a very good coach, but again, how much of a role does he have? Mm-hmm. All right, so. Uh, I, you know, I got a million other questions, but I, I'm I'm starting to run out of time. So I got to ask at least one on the defense. You lose a top pass rusher. You bring in Jason Pierre-Paul. Do we know a what role if he's going to play? What have you? And b how big of a loss is that uh, for the Dolphins? Well, it's a big loss because the dude was absolutely balling. I mean, man, was he coming on? Uh, and he got off to a slow start because he was dealing with injuries, and then all of a sudden he gets right, and he is a factor every game. Uh, every other pass rushing situation, he's around the quarterback, and then he goes down. Um, the good news for the Dolphins is their defense has been coming on progressively throughout the year, and then all of a sudden in week seven, they did Jalen Ramsey back. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that dude's a difference maker, holy smokes. So I, they they will lose something in the pass rush. I'm not expecting Jason Pierre-Paul to be able to make up for the loss of Jalen Phillips. Whatever they get from him is a bonus. Andrew Van Ginkle did a good job when Phillips was out for three games early in the season. He's going to get some sacks here and there. But they, again, they can't make up for Jalen I, I am of the belief that their offense, sorry, the defense will still be good. I, I, I had thought that with everybody in place, this had the making of a – championship caliber defense by the end of the season. In fact, I thought the defense was going to be the, the unit carrying the team down the stretch. Uh, still be inclined to believe that, even though I think the ceiling down might be a little bit lowered. Uh, one last one. We know the Dolphins have struggled against the so-called elite teams in the NFL, but have beaten up on the bad teams. Is there any chance they overlook the commanders and play down to the level of their competition this Sunday at FedEx Field? Are you suggesting the Commanders are a bad team? Uh, I'm not shame suggesting on. it. I'm telling you they're a horrible team. Okay, shame on you, Kate. Uh, no, <laughs> well, uh, Poop, you know me. I'm not gonna, I, you know, I'm not gonna, uh, you know, beat around the bush here. I'm gonna tell no, you no, honestly, no. whether I'm right or wrong, they're a terrible team. Okay, and then you know me as well. I'm not gonna beat around the bush yes. either. No, here's the thing. The one thing the Dolphins have done very well. They've been double-digit favorites. I believe this is going to be the fifth time, or or nine and a half, or nine, whatever. This is going to be the fifth time they've won every game comfortably. The one game where they didn't cover was against Vegas, where they turned the ball over three times. So I'm not buying this notion of looking past the commanders. They got the Titans next week. I mean, you're really going to be worried about, oh, my God, we got Derrick Henry coming up next Monday night. So who are we playing again? Oh, Washington. Yeah. No, that's, to me, Washington's only chance of pulling off an upset in this game, and it would be a huge upset, would be, if they can hit a couple of big plays over the top and then if the Dolphins continue with their turnover problems because they've turned the ball over three times against the Raiders and three times against the right. Jets on Black Friday. My guy, Alan Pupar, follow him for great timely information in print, SI.com's Fan Nation, All Dolphins, as well as the All Dolphins podcast on Twitter and X, at Pupar NFL. 
at Poopart NFL. We just put up the links uh, and the quotes and the numbers that we were talking about with Tua so you can easily follow and read up on the opponent and go behind enemy lines. My friend, I appreciate you. A happy Thanksgiving a week or so late to you and your family. Uh, Merry Christmas and all that good stuff, and great to catch up with you. Well, right back at you. I want to wish you, I'll beat you with when you didn't wish me Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> My guy, Alan Poupart, with us on the BetQL guest hotline. Uh, we'll let him run on there on a football Friday of the Team 980, which is driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Coming up, what did Josh Harris have to say at a sports business journal conference last night that has everyone buzzing? We'll tell you next. It'll have you buzzing as well. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, thanks to uh, Alec Poupart for the little look eye on the enemy, as we like to try and do. Before a commander's opponent, sometimes we can't work it out and get a guest at the right time and all that stuff. So we try and do it when we can. Uh, and uh, Alan's a good dude. And um, make sure you check out his stuff. Again, I tweeted all the links and all that stuff. Uh, again, in December and January games, as Alan points out, Tua Tunga Bailoa's career passer rating is 81.4 with 17 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And a 7-7 seven and seven record as a starter in his career so far. Again, 81-4, passer rating, 17 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 7-7 seven and seven record. Matty Ice, when you look at the calendar, when you look at the calendar, did the calendar stay on November or did it just flip to December? Oh, we are in December. It is, in fact, December 1st today. Hmm. So, the reason why these numbers are certainly interesting for those of you that believe in trends and analysis and all that, it would suggest that Tua could possibly struggle this Sunday, especially if the weather is a little bit inclement, especially if Ronnie Rivera decides to become Riverboat again and roll the dice and come after him. Because, again, from the months of September, October, and November, Tua Tungavailoa, a career passer rating of 104.7, again, compared to 81.4 in December and January, 104.7 to 81.4, 57 touchdowns to 17 touchdowns. Again, he's played, obviously, a lot more games in those months. 19 interceptions. He's got 14 in a smaller sample size. It's a 3 to 1 ratio touchdown to turnover or I should say touchdown to interception ratio. It's a 1.2 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio in December and January. And in September, October and November as Allen points out, he's 24 and 9 or the Dolphins are 24 and 9 in the games in which Tua has started. So what I will say is it's important to remember Tua is from Hawaii, Mm -hmm. went to school in Alabama, and now plays in Florida. 
He is very accustomed to playing in warm, kind of tropic, little humid weather. Correct. Not quite so used to playing in cold weather. Yeah, and 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 you know, look, all of that makes sense, right? I mean, I mean, normally, warm weather teams struggle on the road in December and January against teams because you're dealing with weather or what have you. But that. That's not like on the road he struggles in December and January. That's in December and January he struggles. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for that. And trust me, he's never seen a defense as soft as cream cheese like he's going to get this weekend. Maybe he's trying to be nice to make sure that Santa comes to visit him at the end of December. Maybe. um, I I mean, I I guess Talia is going to be there, right? He's going to have his bro in the house from the University of Maryland. I Listen. I don't know. I, I mean, look, Tua is, is very, very good. That was not my question about him when he came out of Alabama. It was simply, can he stay on the field? And last year he couldn't, and this year he has. So for now, hold your breath. I think he'll be fine. I don't think, he'll, I don't think the Dolphins are putting up 35-plus in this game. They might put up 28. They might put up 31. I do not see them putting up 35-plus. In this game. All right, let's get to this. And then we can get back to your calls uh, on this Football Friday on the Team 980, which is driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience, power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer at 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. So Nikki Javala was at the Sports Business Journal uh, Conference last night, and, of course, they had some big heavy hitters. And Josh Harris was one of them. And Josh Harris was asked about the commander's team name long-term. And that situation. And he said this, quote, I know that's a topic people in Washington want to talk about. But we're focusing on the things that are really important right now. End quote. To which I was a little bit of a jerk late last night as I am often want to do, and I said, this quote is so good by Josh Harris. IDK, that's what the kids refer to as I don't know. When people are going to understand, I don't know when people are going to understand, that the team name is so insignificant, to which I got bashed upside the head by the Twitterati. And I'm sure if Sheehan would have saw it, he would have flipped out. And if J.P. Finley would have saw it, he would have flipped out. And if Grant Paulson would have seen it, he would have flipped out. And if Danny Ruye would have seen it, he would have thrown up. I don't care. It is totally and completely insignificant, not only right now, but also long-term, in my opinion. I don't care what the team name is. Honestly, it makes me happy that he said that because... You got to think we are, we just got rid of RDC. We are in the process of potentially figuring out a new coaching staff entirely. Exactly. We have players that we need to figure out. Are they going to stay because do they care or not? There are so many things just on a football sense that we need to figure out that the idea of a name change and we're ta- there's all of the talk about potentially moving to the new RFK stadium right. when they... Well, like, I was just going to say, you oh, forgot about how complicated that situation is. But there's is. so many things that are on the right. immediate right. list of this needs to get taken care of yeah. that the name, which they can't even change yet because it 
apparently, isn't it five years that they have to keep it or I something like that? I think it's like five years unless you get a special exemption from the NFL uh, based on set special – I believe is how the rule is – but My you, thought is but you there could. is a thousand things that need to get done right. that we can do internally without having to try and – go through the NFL and have them decide that, oh, yeah, we guess Commanders is bad enough that we're – like, that's going to be a process in its own right. Matt, we here's, what, he, Matt, here's what you it. could do, whether there's a five-year window, whether you could get a special exemption or not. You could say, listen, the new, the current name is not the one we chose, and we will be changing the name at some point. It in due pro- They have not even said so that. So kind of an exact opposite – of Dan Snyder, we will never change the name. Right. But they could say that if they wanted to. But they haven't. They've been given plenty of opportunities to do that. And this quote doesn't say they will never change it. It says, we're, we're aware that a lot of people care about this topic, but we're focusing on the things that are really important right now, which tells you, A, that not only is the name of the team not important enough to crack whatever that list is, top five, top six, we just went over a bunch of things. It's not only not important to crack that part of the list, but it's not even a definite that it's happening. And the second, and I'm telling the my colleagues, friends of ours, okay, keep operating like there is zero chance. That commanders is staying. And as usual, they are wrong. As usual, they are wrong. Flat out, 1,000% wrong. There's a chance commander stays. There's a chance that an ownership group that paid $6 billion does not want to undergo the enormous process of changing the team moniker, potentially colors, uniforms, shield, all of the legal mumbo-jumbo that goes with it, potential trademark infringement rights. Oh, and the biggest one, getting it right. What guarantee? What guarantee? Is there that they're going to choose a team name that you all love? We knew whatever followed Redskins was not going to be met with a lot of appreciation. And, I mean, you could say Washington football team, and technically it did, but we all knew that was a temporary placeholder. We all knew what was next. It's like, Think about this, right? If you um, if you're in a long term relationship, you break up. Whatever's next might be hot for a little while, but you know, like, not everybody might appreciate like your kids, your family, what have you. What is next? Because maybe they were so fond and appreciative of what was before. But then maybe if you break up with what is next, six months down the road, a year down the road, three years down the road, whatever, maybe the next next might be more appreciated. Or it might not be appreciated at all. Like, for instance, if they come out and say, we're going to change the name, and they come out with Washington Monarchs, 
How many of you dum-dums, and I use that term affectionately, are going to go, yay, Monarchs, let's go, Monarchs. Oh, that's my team. Those are my guys. How many of you? None. Less than none. How many of you, if they need, because these were all the betting, stupid betting numbers that we gave you last week, if they come out and they say, Dumbest list. Yeah. And they say, we're the Washington Spartans because Magic Johnson is our co owner and he's from Michigan State and they're the Michigan State Spartans and he can get us around any legal challenges because he's Magic freaking Johnson and Spartans is a tough warrior type name. How many of you are going to go, man, I'm a Spartans fan. I love the Spartans. None of you. How many, if they name the team Magic, the Washington Magic, or the Magicians we've seen, various forms, the Washington Magicians, how many of you are going to go, oh, let's go Magicians, let's go Magic. Do you see how dumb this is? Do you see how idiotic this is? Do you see how ridiculous this is? I can't believe how many people, I mean, fans I largely expect it from, because no offense, you're fanatics. You're not paid to think with rationality. You're not paid to think with common sense. I cannot for the life of me understand what people cannot get through their head. That there is no name that is going to unify this fan base. And if you say, no, 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 Chris, you're wrong. No, Wolves, Red Wolves. How many people hated that? They were all over the place. Now, a lot of people liked it. More people like that than the Commanders. I'm not telling you that. But if we're looking for a name to unify and unite this fan base, it is not out there. You want to unify it 65% of the way? Eh, maybe. Is that worth it? Maybe. It's not out there. The only name that would unify a large part of this fan base is by going back to Redskins, which they simply cannot do and will not do and won't do and would be the dumbest thing in the world. And here's the other thing, and I've said this before, and you don't have to agree with me, you don't have to like me, you don't have to respect my opinion, whatever. You can say, well, you're not a fan, this, that, and the other thing. I'm not. I'm paid to be me. I am a fan. I want them to win. But just because I don't have surgically attached pom-poms to my wrists doesn't make me incapable of understanding the situation. Here's the deal. Here's the honest-to-God's truth. The name of this team, the moniker of this team, whether it's associated with Dan Snyder, Ron Rivera, Jason Wright or not, means absolutely nothing. It's so insignificant. It has nothing to do with winning football games, which is the only thing that really bottom line matters. 
Now, doing it with class and dignity and pride and all that stuff matters. But winning football games and the team name, whether it be Redskins, Commanders, Washington football team, Spartans, Magic, or the Fighting Ryan uh, Clarys, means nothing. It's, they're not synonymous with each other. So it's insignificant. Will it get changed at some point? Yes, I'm sure they will cave into you guys, into all of you knuckleheads who sit here and lose sleep over the command is so stupid. Shut up! It's not stupid. It's a it's a name. It's generic. It's neutral. It's fine. I have zero problem with commanders. Never have, never will. This ain't a bit. This isn't me trying to get you to call into the radio show. I don't care. Commanders is fine. You want to call them the Manders, the Mandos, the Durs, whatever the hell you want to call them, fine. I'm not telling you that you have to believe me or that you should believe me, but I'm begging you to have some perspective, some common sense, and to realize that, yes, and this has been obvious on the list of things that are important, the team name is not anywhere near the top five, and it shouldn't be. And for that, we should say this. Hail to the Harris Group. And Lou DiPietro and Bed Kremel can put that up and they'll get a billion different clicks on the Team980.com and you can put it up on AutoCDC and the FanDC.com and you can roll this out. I don't care. The last thing we should be caring about right here, right now on this Friday, December the 1st, 2023, is whether the name is Commandos, Commandos, Magic, Spartans, Magicians, Politicians, Neanderthals, Gypsies. Who cares? Win some games. Win games that matter. Hire the right coach. Hire the right GM. Build me a stadium. Get a shovel in the ground. Keep doing what you're doing at FedEx Field. Keep doing what you're doing with the giveaways and the concessions. That's what matters. Hire the right people so we don't have to go through another 30 years of this nonsense. That's what matters. Not some stupid team name. Your call's next, 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. Football Friday on the Team 980 is driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience, power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer, 301-230-0980. If you want to yell at me on Twitter, it's at WrestleMania621 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.
I went on such a ramp, I, rant, I totally forgot about this. Sorry about that, Matt. I completely screwed up the show. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's do this. The Wizards try and uh, get back to whatever winning ways they got on Monday with their third win in Detroit tonight. It's the second of a back-to-back in Orlando against the Magic, who have won eight in a row and are 13-5. and five. And again, it's once again in Orlando as they played uh, there on Wednesday night. You can hear it on 106.7, the fan pregame coverage at 6.45 and on the Odyssey app. Meanwhile, here on the Team 980, beginning at 6.30, you have Indiana basketball, uh, Indiana and Maryland college basketball as the Big Ten season kicks off in Bloomington. Again, coverage here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Meanwhile, Florida State getting set to play in the ACC title game tomorrow night in Charlotte against Louisville, who's coming off of a loss. They've already lost their starting quarterback, have the Seminoles. Now they will be facing a game day decision with their backup quarterback, Tate Rotomaker, who is uh, dealing with a potential concussion or a uh, in the concussion protocol, I should say, uh, and is questionable for tonight's game. He has not been uh, for tomorrow night's game. Rather, he has not been a full participant in practice uh, all week, and that's what's trending. All right. I totally blew the structure of the show. My fault. I went on a rant. I get so aggravated with the name change stuff. I can't help it. It drives me insane. I apologize. That's all there is to it. I'm a man. I'm 50. I'm a man. I can't handle it. It's so insignificant. It's so unimportant. Compared to everything else, I'm just glad that Josh Harris basically put it in a nutshell. When he said, we're focusing on the things that are really important right now. That means the name change is not important. It could be in three years or two years or a year and a half, but it's not right now. And if it's not right now, it means or it could mean that it's not really important long term. It's not a definite. Let's get back to uh, the phones, 301-230-0980. Oh, boy. My guy, the Birdman, wants to know what I'm smoking. What's up, Birdie? How are you? You know, Chris, it isn't often that I get to follow a classic Russell rant. There aren't many of those anymore, but I just lost – I just blew a head gasket. Yeah, I I, I could tell. Um so, I, first of all, I agree with you. They're a four and eight football team, and you know it is. It isn't often I agree with you, by the way, because most of the time you just right. face it, you're wrong. Well, sure. Um, <laughs> um, but they're a four and eight football team. Who the hell cares about the name? Um, fix, fix your house first, and then worry about everything else. Um, as far as the game this weekend, what are you smoking, Chris? You're gonna blitz all the time, and you're going to leave Tyreek Hill on an island, and he's just going to eat you guys alive. Birdie, I didn't say all the time, but can you blitz 40% of the time? I mean, it works. I mean, you know this. You come from Baltimore. Wink Martindale and Mike. I mean, you guys blitz a lot. We sell it. We, we sell it different. We, 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 we start up in coverage. We drop back. We drop back, or then we come up. So, 
can, can the commanders sell it like that? No, come probably in, not. But, but you know what? They can't sell anything else. They can sell a hot dog. That's what they can sell. I, Chris, but, but, you know, here's the main question. At this point, if I'm a commander fan, I don't want to freaking win. Of course. I, I, want, I want a good draft pick, get a GM in there, get a new head coach in there, let them, let them build the team like the Steelers do, like the Ravens do. Let them build a team, get some depth, and you start over. Now, you know, it's not baseball. It's not going to take you long. Um, just, just, just start over from scratch. And, but I hate to say it, Chris, and you're gonna, you, you are going to blast me for saying this, but I'm going to say it. The closer you get to a first round, to the number one pick, the more you have to think about drafting a quarterback. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to blast you. I, I, I mean, I don't want them to ultimately do that. But if they have two good quarterbacks here and they're battling it out for the, the rightful starter, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, again, what I don't want them to do is spend a bunch of draft capital, which they have, to move up because they've identified one guy that they think is better than the other guy or all the rest, and they're going to pay a ransom that whoever the number one pick, probably the Chicago Bears, is going to make them pay. That's what I don't so, want so, them so to let do. Me, let, let, me, let me reverse that for you then. Let's say, and I'm, I'm just speaking hypothetically spitballing here, the commanders end up with a fourth, fifth pick, whatever, right? Um, do, you do, do you do an Eric DaCosta move where you move back into the draft to pick up some extra, uh, extra picks? Of course you should. Uh, unless unless yeah. the value of the player that is available to you at four, five, six, or whatever is so extreme. And I don't know if you're going to face that situation. I don't know if you're going to get that situation. I don't think you are. Yeah. So uh, I and, would move and, back and, and, and even because you cracks? always want more cracks at the apple. Now, you got to be careful about how far you move back. I mean, but again, once again, the Ravens proved by, uh, you know, like, just because you're not in the top 10 doesn't mean you can't get a really good player. When they got Kyle Hamilton, the, the commanders were out on Kyle Hamilton. A lot of people connected those two. And Jack Del Rio didn't like Kyle Hamilton for whatever reason. And Kyle Hamilton goes, what, 13, 14 overall, and he's a stud. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can if, get if, good if players the, in, in the teens. If, if, I'm the, if I'm the commanders and the situation presents itself where I can move back, for, and I'm talking like you know, pick fifteen to twenty. Okay, move back to that to that level. I mean, so you know, yeah, you better get a bounty for that. Picks. Get get yeah, a bounty yeah, for it, that. that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's that's how you have to rebuild this team. Probably, right? probably. That's, you know. Yeah, probably. So. Bird, I gotta run. I appreciate you as always, pal. Even when even when you bust my yeah. chops, you know I love you. Uh, that's the my guy, the Birdman. We'll get to Paulie. We'll get to others. Uh, Mike Mayock, former lead draft analyst for the NFL Network and former Las Vegas Raiders general manager, now currently with Westwood One, called the Commanders and the Cowboys last Thursday in Dallas. We'll get him aboard next right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.